What I want to talk about a little bit today, um, and hopefully I'm not duplicating what's been covered the last couple of weeks because I haven't been able to get on, um, but I want to spend a little bit of time in, in the book of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah um, and, and think a little bit about what revival looked like at that time frame. Uh, for those of you not real familiar with uh, this portion of scripture, I'll just give a little bit of historical context and then go in to kind of talk about what sort of laid on my heart here. Um, but the first return to Jerusalem when the temple of the Lord was rebuilt and dedicated um, is really described in the first six chapters or so of Ezra. Um, um, but it stopped uh, partway through due to political opposition from the neighboring Samaritans and the Jewish interest in building their own projects. Um, God sent Zechariah and Haggai, the prophets, to encourage the exiles to go back to work. And after about a 14-year gap, the work resumed and the, the temples eventually completed and dedicated um, Ezra kind of arrived at, at what I would say was the second wave of the exiles coming back. Um, but when he arrived, he noticed that something was a little bit wrong. It's like the, you know, the work was progressing, but it wasn't going um, maybe in the right way. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that, but I would suggest that it's primarily because the word of God wasn't the center of what they were doing. Um, they were sort of focused on what they wanted back. They were focused on the things that they were doing. Um, and I think that's a lot like we can be. I'm, I'm that way. I'm an engineer by trade. And so I can get really focused on getting the job done, getting all those boxes checked and, you know, being very task oriented and sometimes forget about, you know, what is it that God really wants me to do? So we find in, in Nehemiah 8 that Ezra and Nehemiah come together here to address um, the spiritual renewal. As we think about the revival that happened at that time, we're, we're not told anything about Ezra in his early life. Um, but at this point, he wasn't a young man. Um, and so, you know, we have to take a little bit of liberty with the scripture, but I think we can here because during that time in exile, he must have been studying. He must have been preparing, um, would have, being a scribe, he would have um, received extensive training in the books of the law. Um and obviously, had spent time studying that, that word of God. It was his job to copy, interpret, and transmit the law to the people. And this is kind of key because he wasn't living under ideal circumstances. He was living, you know, in an, as an exile in a country that was um, extremely evil. And it, it was a time where, you know, it, it, I mean, if we would look at it today, we'd say it was extremely bleak. And yet, um, he didn't allow himself to be absorbed into those cultures, the Babylonian Persian cultures, but he, he remained faithful to God and continued to study. Um, and he obviously had a love for God's word and it prepared his heart to, to, to pursue it, especially when he came back. And it was this, this training attention to detail and, and commitment to God that, that allowed Ezra to come back and as a leader to challenge the people to say, hey, these things aren't right. These are not what you should be doing. This is not the way God has called us to it. And, and so I think there's a lot of application to us today is, is the encouragement to continue on, even when things don't look ideal for us. Um, you know, what that looks like for each of us is probably different, but we know those, those four things of reading, praying, studying, and teaching uh, is important because when, when revival does come, there's going to need to be people that are willing to step up and to lead and to, to mentor and disciple those people that come along. You know, I, I, we don't know when that opportunity comes. I don't think Ezra knew. He'd spend his whole life preparing for this and then that place and time when God brought him out. And it reminds me of, of a story here. Um, I'll make this kind of personal. I, when I started work at 
winger back in the late nineties. I worked with an individual from our church who was a very godly man. And he was, he was interesting from the standpoint that he always was really good at challenging people. And I had had a coworker that, that was very black and white thinker and they were very opposite and they sort of got combative at times and they would, they would keep going. But, but Gordon would always challenge him saying, well, we're in this together. We're in this because we love the Lord. And he would challenge the other individuals um, ideas and they, they continue, they kind of developed this relationship. And then in, I think 2008 or so uh, he was tragically killed in a motorcycle accident. But today the individual that he challenged is now the leader. He's an elder in our local church and his leadership style and the way he teaches, when I watch him from the pulpit, it just oozes Gordon all over. Gordon never saw it come to pass. He never saw what happened, but his imprint, his fingerprints are all over this situation. And I, I think it's a challenge, at least to me, is, is that we don't always understand what we're doing and the impact it has. We just don't see it. Thank God doesn't allow us sometimes because of our pride can get in the way, but a lot of times he's doing things that we don't really see. Um, and I was, I was also, I've got enough time here. I'll just mention this too. I was in, in London here just before COVID had a ch- chance to attend the church that uh, Gerard Hemmings pastors. And when I left, it was interesting because he come up to me and he says, so what did you notice here? And I said, well, the interesting thing I noticed is that you have an international church. I mean, I said, I don't know what I expected, but downtown London, I would have expected a white church. Um, and he said, no, he, he said, it is. He said, we've got 28 languages spoken here, and I think 33 nations are represented. And I said, so, so why? How does that work? And he made the comment. He said, when I started here, there was a, a brother that would come to the prayer meetings, and he said he would emphatically pray, Lord, fill this church. And he said, we used to get pretty uncomfortable because he was talking to God in a way that, you know, like, you can't talk to God like that. And, and Gerard said he died. And he said, today, this is the answer to his prayer. He said, it doesn't look like anything we could have planned. It came out in a way that, that was amazing. So I think that's an encouragement to us to kind of keep going. But the, the last part of this, these, these chapters on a revival, I think are important because when the time came, the people responded. You know, they didn't respond to Ezra and Nehemiah early on, but in chapter eight, we find that in Nehemiah chapter eight, we find that the people, they gathered as one person. Um, it said all of them came to hear. Ezra stood up to read to them, and they, they asked Ezra to bring the law to them. And then it, it says that they all stood up for, I don't know, three, he said it read till midday. So three to four hours, they stood and listened. Um, and they gave attention to it. And then as a result, as once that word was heard by them, is, you know, they, if you look at the end of chapter eight, it's just filled with action verbs. They answered, they bowed, they worshiped, they lifted up their hands, they wept, they went, and they went out and that revival went forth. But I think the key here that, that I pull from this are two things. Number one is don't underestimate the preparation time. It gets hard. It gets, it gets frustrating. It gets uh, almost at times very discouraging. And yet I think God wants us to keep going because he has a, he has a point for all of this. We're not living our lives in a vacuum. We're affecting others. But I also think it's important to understand that that revival probably should have happened on day one when they first the exiles first came back. But they weren't ready in heart, and God wasn't ready for it to happen. So it strung out for what seems to be a almost a ridiculously long period of time until God was ready to work. And when he worked, that's when the people came. So I, th- I think we need to, as we go through this, I just want to encourage all of us to to, to be encouraged that, that revival isn't just something we pray for. We have to prepare for it as well. And maybe God will give us the opportunity to participate. Maybe he won't. 
Um, that's not our call. That's his. Um, but let's remember that when God's ready, he will send the word. He will send the revival and he will provide. 